You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Mark chapter 16 is where we're going to be today. Mark chapter 16, as we today again reflect upon what is the greatest day in history, the Resurrection Sunday, solidifying our salvation in Jesus Christ, that being made a possibility. So if you will, let's read together. Mark 16, verse 1, we're going to read through verse 7 together. It says there in verse 1, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was very large. And then entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, verse 6 says, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. But what does he say there? He says, He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, There you will see him as he said to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, this Resurrection Sunday, this day where we have the opportunity, Lord, to run boldly to you because of the finished work of the cross and because of the empty tomb. Lord, we can run boldly to you and be in relationship with you, Lord, because of your great love that you demonstrated for us in Jesus Christ, coming, living, dying, and raising again. And today, as we reflect on this for a few moments, I pray that, God, you would just build within us your church and excitement. You would build within us just, Lord, the excitement of what this day is, and that we would share that excitement with the world around us, and that our hearts and minds would be attuned to just how good you are. And, Lord, the work that you want to do in each and every heart that is here today. And so, Lord, I thank you for this time. And I ask that you would minister to us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today is a day of significance for all of us who are here. There's not a single one of us in this room today, not a single person in the world that escapes the significance of this day, no matter where you are in your life. You see, today is a a significant day for everyone that is within the world, because understand that today marks the day where Jesus rose from the grave, where Jesus Christ, finishing the work that he came to complete, rose from the grave and made reconciliation, unity with God a reality, made it a possibility for us. And I want you to understand today that no matter how you came in here this morning, no matter your relationship with the Bible, no matter your relationship with one another, no matter your relationship with God, understand that today God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the whole world. God loves us, friends. And that is something that we, as simple as it may be to say, something that we need to know and something that we need to realize God wants us to know. In fact, he wants us to know that so much, he wrote it in the Bible, in the Gospel of John, John 3, 16, a verse many of you know. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God shows us in his word that he loves you. He loves all of us. He loves all of the world. And what we reflect on today really shows us that, 
really helps us to remember that, to know it, and prayerfully to live in light of it. You see, understand that the great love of God being shown in his son Jesus, well, it was shown in his son Jesus who was sent to die, which where we pick up today in Mark 16 is three days after the death of Jesus Christ. What we celebrated and remembered this past Friday on Good Friday, well, we now skip ahead a few days to where here in Mark 16 on this first Easter morning, these three women who had been faithful to Jesus all of his life, they are now walking to the tomb for one last honoring of Jesus' body. You see, there as Jesus was crucified on the Friday before, what would have happened is he would have died. And because the next day was a celebration, a Sabbath day, and a day where there was to be no work, it was a high Sabbath for the Jewish people, the religious leaders, they went to Pilate, who, the Roman governor who had sentenced Jesus to death, and they said, we need to take his body down. And so they took his body down and a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and another man by the name of Nicodemus, the gospel of John shows us, came and took Jesus' body. They took it and they prepared it there with spices and with linen. They wrapped it and prepared it for burial. And then they put Jesus' dead body into a tomb, into Joseph's tomb. It was borrowed there. And as we open up on Mark 16 today, what we open up to are these women going to that tomb. Again, Friday, Jesus' body was prepared. However, it would have been done hastily so as to have it done before sundown. And so they're on their way to the tomb to now anoint Jesus' body with more spices, to prepare it more properly, if you will, for burial, so that it would not decay and stink and be just unhonored. But they faced a dilemma. They faced a dilemma in the form of a two-ton stone that had been rolled in front of the opening to the tomb. You see, this tomb, what it would have been, is really an opening cut into the face of this rock. It would have opened up and gone in, not very far, mainly like a, a small walk-in closet, if you will. It would have had some benches on, on the sides, maybe bunks, if you will, for, or looking like bunk beds to put some bodies in there. And it would have been put in there, Jesus would have been put in there, and the stone, because Joseph was a rich man, the Bible tells us, the stone would have been in fact rolled and secured there, not just laid up beside the opening. And so these ladies, they faced a dilemma in this two-ton stone that was in their way. What's more, as we know from the gospel accounts, that after Jesus' death, the religious leaders who hated Jesus, they went to Pilate, the Roman governor, and they told him, hey, Jesus' disciples have told us that, they, that he is going to rise again. That's what we hear. And so what we want is to make sure that the tomb is secure. We want to make sure that there is, there is a tomb that is sealed. So will you set a guard? And Pilate, he agreed to this. There was a Roman guard in front of the stone and the stone would have been sealed with signets of the governor so that anyone who tried to open and steal the body of Jesus, should they have been caught, would have been put to death immediately. Again, these ladies, they faced a dilemma and this dilemma these women were discussing as they walk on the road, we see that. What do they say there? They say, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? They're thinking, it's massive. It's locked in place. There's a guard. It's sealed. What are we going to do? Their greatest concern on that Resurrection Sunday was real, and they discussed it. But as we continue on reading, what do we see there? As we read verse 4, and they get to the tomb. You can imagine that as they are expecting to see this, this tomb sealed, the stone in the way, the guard standing at their position, you can imagine what they feel as they get there and the stone is no longer in place. Verse four says again, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. And no doubt, put yourself in that moment. 
No doubt in that moment, what these ladies felt is unimaginable. The, the emotions that would have flooded in here. No doubt there would have been shock, panic, perhaps some curiosity, a glimmer of hopeful excitement, fear of what could have happened to the body of Jesus. They saw Jesus die. Two of the Marys standing there had followed Joseph and had followed Nicodemus to see where his body was buried. They knew what they saw. They saw the death. They saw the burial. They saw the sealed tomb. But here they're sitting there and their eyes are looking at a tomb that is open. This tomb that is open, the question, the concern that they had about how they were going to remove the stone, well, that was answered, but along with it came a thousand other questions. What now? And then the astonishment continued to grow, no doubt, because what do they do? They walk into the tomb. They go inside, and what do they find? They don't find a dead body. They don't find the dead body of Jesus. No, what do they find is a young man, a young man who is sitting there. And this young man tells them on that day the greatest news ever. He says yet again, he is risen, he is not here. In other gospels, it's recorded that he would say, you seek the living among the dead. Why? He's not here. He's not here. The greatest concern of that morning, understand, was answered by them seeing the tomb open, but it was just elevated as they move into the tomb and they find out that Jesus, he's not there. He's not laying there dead and wrapped and ready to be wrapped again. No, he is in fact risen and a risen savior. And I don't know, as I look at this room today, everyone in here, I would love to get to know everyone in here, but I know that in a room like this, with this many people, this many walks of life that are shown, there are many concerns that we carry with our life. In fact, just living in this world, there are many concerns that we have because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is fallen, that is hard, that is plagued by sin. And each and every one of us carry in our lives concerns, concerns that are seemingly small, perhaps, Concerns that are large and life-altering, perhaps mundane, things that we don't think anyone would care about. But can I tell you today that whatever concerns that you are carrying, the Lord cares about those things because God loves you. God loves you and he cares and, and he cares for the concerns that you carry in this world. But can I also tell you this morning that there is no concern greater than what we see Jesus answering here with his death, burial, and resurrection. There's no concern greater than our need for a savior. There is no concern that is greater for the whole of humanity than the need to have our sin forgiven and a relationship with the Lord started. See, understand today that the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we see within the word of God is real to us and it's real to us because of what we see here. And this hope, it outshines every concern that we have, including the main concern of humanity, the concern of our salvation, the concern of our separation from the Lord. And that is, understand, where each of us fall naturally. Each of us, as we are born into this world, we are, the Bible tells us, separated from the Lord by something called sin. You see, if you read the Bible, what you learn is that in the beginning, there at the very front of the Bible, God created everything. And he created it perfectly. He created the world. He created everything perfectly. However, it didn't take long for sin to enter the world. And as sin entered the world, what it, did is it, what it did is it took this perfect world that God had created and it severed that unity. Humanity was separated from the Lord's and unable to be reconciled without a savior. Unable to reconcile with the Lord ourselves because of sin, because of failure, because of missing the mark. Understand that all of the world is in sin. 
And sin is committed by sinners, sinners like you and myself. We are all in this room sinners today who are lost without the hope of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us about this very explicitly. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word all, it means all. You're all Bible students today, and you all need to learn that all within the Bible, that's what it means. It means all. And you and myself, we are counted in that all. We're all of the world. All of humanity has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We miss the standard that a holy God has set up. And because of our sin, we are deserving of one thing, the Bible tells us, and that is death. Death spiritually, death physically, and ultimately realized in our separation eternally from him. That's what Romans 6.23 says. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Death and separation from God are all that our sin can ultimately get for us. Understand, you are paid for your sin. You earn with your sin. You earn death. But God, again, loving the world, we saw just a moment ago in John 3, 16, sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world and to offer to us a free gift. You see, our sin, it earns us death. We are paid for our sin. We earn for our sin. The wages of our sin is death. But Romans 6, 23 has another half to it. I'm so thankful for this other half because what does it say? It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin, what we earn in our failure is death, but what God offers to us freely is eternal life. You see, the Bible is explicit that we are all sinners and all fall short of the glory of God. And we deserve death because of our sin. But God offers us the gift of eternal life, eternal life that is given to us by the great love from the Lord. Great love that is demonstrated. Notice what the Bible continues to say. Love that is demonstrated while we are lost, while we were sinners. See, Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates, that shows his own love towards us. That is all of humanity, all of the worlds. And that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing news today, friends. It's amazing news because what we see here is that as we all sin and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, we need to understand that God, he demonstrated his love. He offered that free gift. He offers that free gift today while we're still sinners. It's not while we are working our way to heaven. It's not while we're trying to get our act together. It's not while we're jumping through hoops and trying to do all the things that God has put before us to do. No, the gift of God is eternal life that he made a possibility for us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And in doing so, what he did is he answered the greatest concern that each of us have, the concern of our eternal destiny, the concern that we all need to have answered. This helps us to answer that because we see God's great love extended to us and salvation being made a reality. And that concern is answered as we recognize who we are, again, that we are sinners. And that is where we need to come to, friends. We need to realize today that as we are born into this world, though this world would seek to say that we are growing more and more good, that we are looking more and more like humanity should, that that's not what the Bible, which is truth, tells us. The Bible shows us that this world has fallen and growing further away from the Lord. And as such, we are a part of that world. But yet, because of God's great love, understand we have an opportunity to have life, even while yet we are still sinners. 
And it's available to us, this life, this free gift of salvation and eternal life with the Lord, it is available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our belief put in him. Which in the same way that that Paul in the book of Romans shows us honestly what humanity looks like, he also shows us how to get to the Lord. He also shows us there in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, he says there that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he says, you will be saved. It is that simple. For with the heart, he says, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, God made it simple for us. He wrote it out on how we are to be reconciled to the Lord. And what I love is that Paul, continuing to write just a few verses down from there, in Romans 10, 13, after showing how to be saved, he says then, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, that word, whoever, that means whoever. Again, I don't know where you are today in your life and your relationship with the Lord, but what I know is that Jesus, he died for the whole world, that all would be saved. Understand that it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, not someone that the Lord just picked not someone that he picked over someone else and that other person is out of luck. No, understand, whoever calls in the name of the Lord, he says, shall be saved. And understand that today, as we are here on what is the greatest day in history, that is the truth. That is the truth that we see within the word of God. And that is true for every one of us that is in this room today. And again, I don't know what you came in here concerned about. I don't know what is on your mind, what you face on the day to day. I don't know what you think your greatest concern is. But can I tell you today, there is no concern greater than the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. There is no concern that we have today that the cross and the empty tomb doesn't answer. Namely, humanity's greatest concern of our separation from the Lord because of sin and our need for a Savior. Understand that Jesus Christ, raising from the dead over 2,000 years ago, he answers our need. He answers that concern. And as that concern is answered, we enter into, we have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with the Lord that leads us into this life, leads us into new life, navigating the concerns of this life, not alone, not in of ourselves, not in our flesh, but with him and with him leading us and guiding us and showing us how to live through his word and through relationship with him. And understand that as we have the concern of our, of our separation from the Lord answered, what we have is a relationship with Jesus, and we also have hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Bible says, is our living hope. And we have real hope that is living and alive because today, friends, we need to know that Jesus, he is alive. He is alive. And we can have life in him and with him as we put our faith in him. And so today, as we remember this, I pray that we would also act upon this. We would act upon it perhaps for the first time, starting that relationship with Jesus Christ, realizing who we are, that we are sinners naturally separated from God, but we don't have to stay that way. No, we can have a relationship with him and walk out of this building differently than we came in today. Perhaps for the first time, that's something you need to do today. Or perhaps today, you are walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And perhaps today is this fresh reminder of the hope that we have in him that you need so as to walk out in this world and to walk differently in this world, to show him and shine him so the world around you can also have their greatest concern answered as well. Understand that Jesus, he is the answer 
He is the answer for our lives, friends. He is the hope for our lives. And as we put our faith in him, that hope is realized. And it's realized and can be realized by each one of us today.